All good? Just yeah. stop smoking so much weed, man. <laughs> that's, that's my my response on that. Cuss on, you know. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to season two, episode two of Startup Hand Me Downs. So today we spoke to Alex Stephanie, who is the ex CEO of Just Park and the man behind one of the most successful crowdfunding campaigns in history. In 2015, these guys raised one million pounds in just four days uh, from you guys. Um, they crowdfunded it. And he's here today to tell us how we did it. So we're gonna be talking to him about uh, tips and tricks of a successful crowdfunding campaign, um, how to start up multiple uh, businesses at a time and feel comfortable with it, um, and then why focus groups are dangerous um, and a better alternative. So I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode, guys. So, Alex, nice to have you down, dude. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming down. So, in about four bullet points or so, when you're at a dinner party or whatnot, how do you introduce yourself? Right, okay. So, I would say I work in tech. Uh, originally, I uh, came from a kind of more traditional background, so I was working in law and then consulting, um, but yeah, for five years um, or thereabouts I've been working in tech. Most of my experience has been at a business called Just Park that is a parking app that lets drivers book low-cost and convenient parking spaces um, off-street. Um, so the idea is that they book a space that is much, much cheaper than on-street, but it's also this sort of premium experience because they book this space and then they just turn up and the space is waiting for them. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I guess I'm best known for uh, running that business um, and taking it from a couple of people to uh, almost 40 people and raising money and, and helping scale that. The third piece is I brought up this interest in the sharing economy and I wrote a book called The Business of Sharing which uh, was published by Macmillan last year and that's this sort of entrepreneur's view on uh, what it is to run one of these sharing economy businesses, to yeah. raise money for these businesses, um, to help scale these businesses and that was really kind of fly on the wall um, type project. So I went out to Silicon Valley and I would interview all the sort of people on the board of Airbnb nice. and the founders of Zipcar and Airbnb and blah, 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 and these kinds of businesses yeah. um, and kind of pulled that all together um, in uh, what is really a sort of how to do it guide, hopefully for Sounds investors, like consumers, um, and entrepreneurs. Well, it actually tries to be sort of the opposite of academic. It's sort of a pretty uh, light, fast read. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, the sharing economy and kind of P2P is kind of the kind of key words of the moment. So we'll kind of we'll dig into your specific advice on that uh, in a bit. Um, but kind of to start off, so law and consulting. Um, so consulting makes sense. Law, how did kind of your transition from law into entrepreneurship and the world of tech come about? Uh, I really like working abroad and I really like um, challenging and complex work. Mm. and joining an international law firm made a bit of sense in, in that context. But it was really only in 2011 that I understood what I should be doing and that was I think when I realised I wanted to work in tech and I just set about doing what I had to do. So then you went on to create two startups. One was a, a loyalty app, am I correct? And then one was a marketplace for independent retailers. Wow, you've been stalking me. I have indeed. I do my due diligence. So... Uh, from what I understand, delete your old Instagram pictures, man. Phil, that's where you got. Yeah, I need to get rid of my Instagram pics. Um, so, how did they go? I mean, well, we know how they went, but like, what did you do? How did you start off with? Which one came first? And what did you yeah. do? And when did you shut them down when you know they weren't working out? 
Well, I was never really interested in running them as businesses. They were just more experiments. Mm. So oh. what I didn't want was, I guess, the pressure on myself um, mm -hmm. that would come from thinking, this is my business. I've started a business. I need to make this work. Mm. It's going to take years and I'm going to roll up my sleeves. I'm going to do whatever I need to do. And for me, that was just not necessary. I could just think of myself as playing around with ideas and continuing to meet people and learn about something and understand the core value proposition or lack of. Um, I think a lot of people approach starting a business as kind of like a marriage with yeah. a business and it becomes a very, you know, comes therefore a very scary thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Whereas actually, I think a slightly better approach is to think of it as just like dating these yeah. ideas. Mm. It's like, it's not a big deal. I'm just going to kind of date these ideas and I'm going to take it one step at a time I'm just going to do this little experiment to work out this thing and then okay that was quite promising I'm going to do the experiment like I'm not starting a business that's a very good way to explain I'm not starting a business I'm just exploring something yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know a lot of the best businesses were started by accident hmm. so so you tested out these concepts and whatnot. Um, did you build did you actually build any or was it just kind of uh, so I built um, responsive wireframes, that kind of mm -hmm. thing, um, and I did some things like focus groups. And looking back, and I kind of knew this would be the case. It's massively naive how I approached all of those things. Uh, one of the interesting things I've done this year is working for a startup studio called Rainmaking, and working with some people that are a lot, lot smarter and more knowledgeable than me. And that's given me a sort of a really good grounding in how you. Um, in how you get a business off the ground. Mm -hmm. And uh, a guy there who's a partner of his studio called Jordan Schleff, he um, really drilled into me that focus groups are actually really dangerous because uh -huh. they get taken over by... One dominant... Yeah, one dude. dominant person. Um, uh, people end up basically sort of you know, lying to you, um, not deliberately, but yeah. end up lying to you. Um, on the spot because of the way that a focus group turns and you know he, he thinks they just just don't bother them and actually yeah one on ones having, yeah exactly so one on ones um, and not doing focus groups at all I think is is a good thing in customer development and not doing online surveys in the early stages because it's often the case if you don't know what you don't know yeah putting together the perfect customer survey and getting that to exactly the right person and having data with high integrity is really really hard and the worst thing you want to do is spend time acquiring bad or unreliable data and then making decisions on the back of it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, so yeah so talk to us about I guess how did you become COO of Just Park where did the introduction come from um, so I met the uh, CEO and uh, founder you know, I joined the team um, and that was the start of you know a really really awesome adventure and was this pre-funded when you joined Anthony? No, it had raised a small amount of seed capital from BMW I Ventures, which ah, is yes, the VC mm -hmm. uh, wing of BMW. And you guys actually went on to have one of, I think, still one of the biggest crowdfunding campaigns Yeah. to date? Yeah, definitely. I think it's probably top three or something, maybe yeah. top five. It, it was the biggest ever for, for, I don't know, a year or so. Yeah, that's pretty punchy. Uh, how did that come about? Like, what did you guys do differently? Or do you think it was just a product and you had your core cool customer base? 
why was it so big? Why was it so good? Yeah, why was it so successful? Because not everyone's successful on crowdfunding. Uh, I mean, we had hundreds of thousands of customers. That's a nice position to be in. Mm -hmm. Um, We'd raised money from BMW, who are obviously a very well-known brand that created a lot of Mm, trust. Did you have Richard Branson as well? Did I see that? We won a um, Pitch to Rich um, competition that um, Virgin ran. Ah, you Um, won that. So... That was, I think, probably what we're thinking of with Branson. Yeah. That, that's fantastic, but that's a, a sort of different thing. We also had Index Ventures, um, who invested the year before. So that was a great, uh, I guess, marker that this, yeah. that this business could be really, really big. Mm. And um, you know, that was, I guess, a good foundation to run a crowdfunding campaign on. And then I just think we executed fairly well. Um, there's all kinds of things I could talk about that. I have a forthcoming blog actually on uh, you know sort of twelve tips or whatever it's called. <laughs> it's twelve it's a listicle, twelve tips to run a successful crowdfunding campaign or something. I'll like definitely look at that. Um, so I'll, I'm going to get that. And well, I've got a second. Can you give us the top days. three quickly? Just yeah, let's have a teaser. Let's have a teaser. Okay. Um, I would say be honest, be open, um, forging some trust with uh-huh. the potential investors on a, on a crowdfunding platform is really, really important. Sure. If there are competitors that um, are you know, ahead of you, if there are weaknesses in the team, um, you know, whatever it is that is a legitimate concern to you, you should just be honest about this um, because actually people respond well to entrepreneurs who are open. Um, you need to build that trust and if you're not open and someone flags this, on the forum, when you're, yeah. you know, you're just going to lose destroy it. So I think you know, the whole, the whole uh, model is built on trust, um, and you really need, to, I think, to, to to build trust. To be honest, and I think generally people respond well to that. They know that you know your business is not a home run, sure thing, success. Um, if it wasn't, you know, if it was that, you yeah. wouldn't be equity crowdfunding in in the first place, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, these these businesses are risky. Um, and you know, being honest about the risks, I, you know, I think is the right way to be. Um, I think validating the demand for crowdfunding is very important. You know, you will probably have some customers speaking to them mm-hmm. about where they would invest, um, potentially emailing them, making sure that you don't fall foul um, of what are called financial promotions is really important. We we reached out to some of our users, and we um, you know, we had some very clear signals that there would be some you know, very strong demand for the round. Um, and we had an investment every 20 seconds for the first hour. Wow. Um, and we only emailed a third of so, our customers. So, you're so, I mean, that was, you know, born out. So that was the second one. Do you want me to give a third one as well? Yeah, yeah before, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, now I've got to actually think of one. Um, so, I mean, I think a third one would be just to have a list of questions, uh, you know, prepared, agreed with everyone on your team um, before you press the button and go live. You know, people are going to ask obvious questions how are you going to scale this business internationally mm. why is the valuation so high mm. um, who are your main competitors you know, all of these things you should have good answers drafted out before there's absolutely no need to be responding to this stuff you know, writing this stuff on the fly mm-hmm. um, as and when they come in and do you think what you need to communicate all of that through your video or have that on the Kind of on the document that you said no now. so your video should be more high level it's really about the core value proposition and the opportunity okay um those answers are more for the forum where people come in and say this is cool but yeah the valuation is too high at that point you have your valuation question and you talk about you know why it's set at that level and what the comparables are and 
the sort of return based on X, Y, and Z, um, and all that kind of jazz. So were most of the people who funded you, were they customers um, or were they uh, investors? Uh, so they were um, mostly uh, investors from Crowdcube and elsewhere who heard about the round. Mm -hmm. um, about a third of them were and are uh, just part customers. Mm -hmm. A third. And uh, did you secure these investors beforehand, uh, before the crowdfunding campaign or after you launched? Um, they would have come through, those particular crowdcube investors would have come yeah. through after we launched. Wow, oh, so you wow. didn't have any so, preset kind of investors so it, before? We, we had um, a 48 hour window yeah. um, during which Just Park investors, um, Just Park customers rather, had sort of priority access. Mm -hmm. Okay, Okay. cool. Okay, and at the time of the campaign, were you COO or were this, was this when you were no, CEO? I, no, no, I'd, I'd been CEO for a couple of years okay. um, at that point. So that makes for a good transition. How did the yes. kind of CEO role come about from, yeah. from the COO role? Um, the board um, were you know, happy for me to step up. Um, um, the, the founder, Anthony, was, uh, he'd, be, he'd done it for five years. He'd done a great job. Um, you get tired. You get very, very tired, especially being on his own for a lot of that time. Mm -hmm. um, and you, know, you get burnt out, you get frazzled, you inevitably lose perspective, however good you are um, mm -hmm. as, as a CEO. Um, and so, you know, I, I guess I, um, you know, ran what was hopefully a decent shift um, mm -hmm. for him in that role. And as the CEO of Just Park, what would you say was your biggest challenge or challenges? Yeah, I mean, you know, startups are about people, and a startup is only as good as its as its team. Um, you know, the hardest thing is always bringing in and getting the very best out of the very best. And everyone is living in their little bubble and you need to um, understand what that person wants and what makes them tick. And, um, but yeah, I think that's, you know, that is the biggest thing. With the right team, you know, anything is possible. And I guess I saw myself more as um, you know, not the kind of actor on stage, you know, sort of Shakespearean soliloquy yeah. spotlight. You know, that's not the kind of CEO that I was and I aspire to be. You know, I'm the sort of CEO who is you know, sitting in the back row, who has a script and who is looking at the cast that you have picked and you have nurtured, go on stage and act their hearts out and get a standing ovation. Mm. You know, that's the sort of CEO that I've always tried to be. You've got some good mm -hmm. analogies. Yeah, yeah I can see. <laughs> really I can see you used, to, you used to be a writer, still a, still a star writer. I can hear the words. Um, so what would you say was your biggest mistake um, then as your time as CEO? Um, biggest mistake? Um, you know, I think every CEO makes lots of mistakes. Um, um, you know, especially first-time CEOs. Um, I think, you know, one mistake that I made was probably thinking, looking at too many e-commerce metrics mm -hmm. when we should have looked more at marketplace metrics. Mm -hmm. So looking at um, metrics around acquisition um, and retention yeah. um, and conversion, which is just sort of more of an e-commerce funnel. Um, and spending a few months looking at that, which was, you know, 
with the benefit of hindsight, you know, just wrong. Um, mm. And uh, you know, it was just counterproductive. But actually, uh, you know, a few months down the line, you just realize, actually, why was I looking at those things? You know, this isn't an econ play, this is a marketplace. And you, you've got to keep thinking about it as a marketplace and be thinking about the right segmentations and where you can you deploy focus and that kind of thing. I mean, I think that was one, but you know, uh, mm-hmm. there's every you know everything mm. you do every day you could do better, and the CEOs that I think are really really great are constantly thinking about the art and the craft of being a CEO and constantly thinking you know how can I do all these different things better because it is you know a very very tough job and a very multifaceted job you need mm. to be doing kind of lots of things. Um, lots of things well um, and I think good CEOs understand what they're good at and they um, you know, double down on those and they bring in you know the best people that they possibly can to do to do the other things they're less good at mm-hmm. um, and I guess if you could go back in time and give your 20 year old self advice what would you say well I would probably say Go work in tech. Than, <laughs> Don't become than, a lawyer. Rather than go go work in yeah law or consulting or something like that. I mean that's the most obvious thing. Um, you know, I think back then, I had been taught, you know, not explicitly but I guess subconsciously, that you have a choice in life. You can, on the one hand, do something that is well paid, but pretty fucking unfulfilling. Mm. Or on the other hand, you can do something that is creatively fulfilling. You're going to die a pauper, and then that's it. That's life. Hard shit. Mm. You have to pick between these two things. What I didn't realise was that with startups, you can kind of have your cake and eat it. Yeah. You can do something that's incredibly creatively nourishing, but also gives you the opportunity to be very well rewarded financially. Yeah. And so I think that is the story that I would tell to. A twenty-year-old Alex, um, and that sounds like a really banal point because I think these days that is really so well understood because everyone has these startup heroes, and you know, if anything, there's a danger that people are erring on the other extreme and just think that you know, running a startup is some sort of surefire yeah. route to you know, riches and, and easy. happiness and success and glamour yeah. and yeah. you know, fulfilment. And of course, like it's it's you know, it's a very very tough. Um, you know, area in which to sort of eke out a career. Um, but yeah, I think that's what I'll tell them. And I think the other thing would just be to you know, believe in yourself. Um, and no one knows what they're doing. No one understands what they're doing. Everyone feels out of their depth and confused. And mm. um, I think a lot of the time, people in their heart of hearts do know the answers to things, but they're afraid. And really why is someone afraid they're afraid of doing the wrong thing well actually doing the wrong thing is a great learning experience very often yeah it's really the only thing to be afraid of is doing fucking nothing Nothing. yeah and so you know i guess that would be my parting point they say that the opposite of success is not failure it's not doing anything exactly yeah you see i I should be as articulate as you. That would, I could have just answered that question in like, you know, eight seconds. <laughs> no, dude, you're pretty damn articulate, man. I can yeah. see what you're a writer. Do you have any, uh, what was the name of your novel? 
And your, your book you've already mentioned. The novel uh, is a smarty novel that no one is going to read. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not like a sex novel, actually. Um, it's, it's probably uh, too much on the other extreme of being this sort of literary novel that was quite interesting, actually, and I almost got published, but it's just a bit weird. Um, the business book that is very much available check it out on Amazon it's called The Business of Sharing mm -hmm. Business of Sharing and uh, yeah it's this really insider's view on the sharing economy and where can people find you you know where can that hot dev uh, Twitter at Alex Stephanie okay perfect cool. right yeah. thanks for your time Alex it's been a joy dude uh, and no thanks worries. guys for listening thanks uh, for having me hey guys hope you enjoyed that episode thanks for coming in Alex it was really cool buddy um, so in terms of the main points of the episode, um, one, regarding uh, crowdfunding campaigns, um, be honest, uh, really helps to build trust. If you have any kind of downsides of your idea or your proposition, uh, let the audience know. It will really help to build trust with them. Um, validate the demand of the crowdfunding before you actually do it. So um, if you have customers, ask your customers, would they be interested in it? If you know any investors, ask your investors try and set it up in advance as much as you possibly can. Don't, don't leave it, you know, till after you actually launch the campaign. Um, be prepared to answer the nitty gritty questions. They're probably gonna be as important, if not more important than the actual overall big entertaining video. Um, so prepare these questions in advance and uh, be ready to answer them. They're probably gonna be what people make the actual decision on. Um, so second biggest point I took from um, Alex, um, when you're starting up with, um, on your journey to business, treat startup ideas like you're dating them, not like a marriage. So instead of coming up with an idea and thinking, this is it, this is the one I'm focusing on, maybe have a few different ideas and the idea is to go and test them. Um, so you're dating these ideas, you go out and see what actual results are, how many people are interested. Um, you come up with early hypotheses, try and validate these hypotheses whichever idea then comes out of that is looking more promising that's the one you actually go and marry and uh, third focus groups are dangerous um, generally one person takes over a focus group and then the rest of the group follows this guy's direction um, and at the end of the day people find it really difficult to express their ideas accurately um, not many people know why they use something and when they try and guess, they'll probably tell you the wrong answer and you don't wanna be building up a business on um, people's inaccurate guesses on why they do things. So when you can, face-to-face -face, um, interviews are a lot better and will give you a lot more insight um, and also um, quantitative data shouldn't be ignored either. It will also give you um, very useful data. So that's the episode, guys. Um, be sure to share and like if you um, if you like um, and uh, take care I'll see you next episode take care bye bye